a few years ago, a top scientist in his field, whatever it was, he attended this gathering of scientists primarily to defend the theory of his choice. Now, if you know anything about science, you probably know that theories reproduce at a rate that would hold rabbits in awe. They are tremendous. And if you know that, you also know that they are abandoned at the same frenetic pace. So after an overwhelming amount of evidence (laughs) was presented, the poor man finally had to admit the theory he so loved was wrong. What he said was, there is nothing sadder than a beautiful theory being bludgeoned to death by a gang of ruthless facts. (laughs) In other words, he loved what he wanted to believe more than he loved the truth. The repulsion many scientists have to new paradigms is legendary. They normally consider it a personal affront to bring into question any theory that they hold to be true. They can, in fact, get quite exercised if even a whiff of disagreement materializes. But it's not just scientists or even pastors that have preconceived ideas (laughs) that they don't want to give up. It's not even a new thing. The Jewish leaders of Jesus' time had the same problem. A few weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about the first miracle that Jesus did that was specifically intended to be publicly known. This miracle brought him to the attention of the Jewish rulers. And as we talked last week, Jesus responded by giving a brief sketch of who he is. To understate their reaction, the chief priest crowd was unhappy. In fact, they wanted to kill him. Simply put, they didn't believe him. They didn't want to give up on what they knew were the facts. So Jesus gives them a chance. He gives them every chance to examine the truth. In fact, he actually starts by taking their side in the argument. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. In other words, he's saying, okay, you guys are not hearing me, but let's say you're right. And look at the facts from that angle. What Jesus will do is present his argument in the style required by the Jewish law. He'll call his witnesses one after another. But what they don't understand, he's not the one on trial. (laughs) It's their preconceived ideas that are on trial. So Jesus calls his first witness. You don't believe me? How about this guy? There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. All the people of Jesus' day believed that John the Baptist was a true prophet of God's, the first Israel had seen for 400 years. The priests, not so much so. The mention of John's work should have excited them. Wow, isn't this guy something? He wears camel skin. He roasts locusts over a fire. He chastises the unbelieving rulers. And even the king. He's the real deal. A prophet of God. For them, maybe it was the other way around. 
This guy wears smelly animal skins. He eats bugs and he has no respect for authority. He's just one more fame-seeking weirdo. Well, we knew what the Jewish rulers thought about John thanks to what Matthew recorded in his good news. The chief priests and the elders came up to him and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. And if you will tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Where did it come from? From heaven or from man? So, what's your answer? When you heard Jesus' question, did you say, oh, from God? You believe what John said? Or was he just another flashy televangelist? <laughs> you know, a fake looking for fame and money. Which is it? What do those Jewish rulers think? What will they say? You, know, you, you wouldn't believe it if I told you, so I'll just read it to you. And they discussed it among themselves saying, well, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. What? They never even considered whether John was truly God's servant or not. They never considered it. The truth meant nothing. You know, are they just stupid? Alright, so i got to tell you this. There's this lawyer. He's trying to win a case that's centered around the precise time of death of a certain man. Some kind of insurance thing. And our lawyer had been struggling to prove that the man had died later than he really did. So now he has the doctor in the stand. Is it true that you performed the autopsy? Yes. And what did you determine was the cause of death? We extracted the brain and found a massive embolism in the right internal carotid artery which must have occurred quite suddenly when a large piece of plaque completely closed the already impaired vessel. The sudden occlusion caused an aneurysm to rupture leading to death. And when did you examine Mr. Smith's brain? At 2.15 p.m. on Thursday the 22nd. Aha! But how can you be sure Mr. Smith was actually dead at the time? To this astonishing question, the doctor replied, Well, he could have been out there someplace practicing law without a brain, but otherwise I'm pretty sure he was dead. <laughs> Were those Jews out there practicing law without a brain? I mean, what's going on? Or maybe they were so preoccupied with their preconceived notions, their own wants and needs, that they didn't even consider truth. Sadly, they weren't even concerned with the truth, only what would work for them. How would it affect their little world? And when you're like that, when you are so sure that you already know what the deal is, you're not ready to give up the beautiful theory, even though the facts are bludgeoning it to death. <laughs> Earlier, we skipped verse 34. Let's go back to it. In the middle of talking about John, Jesus said, Not that the testimony that I receive is from men, but I say these things so that you may be saved. Wow, incredibly. Jesus offers these arrogant, self-focused rulers salvation. But what's really striking is what he says, that you may be saved. They thought they had Jesus on trial. <laughs> he says, no, you're the ones on trial. And he promptly calls his second witness. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. 
For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. Remember, Jesus had just healed the man at the pool and they were complaining that it was done on the Sabbath. So Jesus rattles their cage. Do you guys remember why this conversation is happening? It was a miracle. You should have noticed. When we hear about Jesus' miracles, does it thrill us? They were so concerned about how it affected their rules, their control, that they missed the wonder of the work entirely. Ever noticed, by the way, how irritated people get when you show them that they are wrong? Jesus demonstrates once again that they are absorbed with themselves and not really thinking about God at all. For 30 years, the man couldn't walk and now he's carrying his bedroll. You know, hello! Nobody with eyes could miss it unless they refused to look. The next witness Jesus has already introduced and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen, and you do not have His Word abiding in you, for you do not believe the One whom He has sent. Whoa, who's He talking to? The priests? You don't listen to God. You can't see God. You don't live like the Bible says. You don't believe. Okay. Jesus never seems to pull punches, have you ever? <laughs> ah, wow. You know, but wait a minute. What about Jesus' baptism? Was that not the Father's voice? Didn't they hear it then? In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So what? Did God arrange it so only those who would believe were actually there to hear this voice? Was it only a manifestation of the Father's voice and not really His voice? God is spirit. Wouldn't His voice be spiritual? And of course, that's the point. It never was the physical. The reverberating airwaves aren't the point. It was always the heart of the Father. That's the voice they couldn't hear. And Jesus said, you do not have this word abiding, living in you. Word, the word. Let's see, how did John start this gospel? <laughs> in the beginning was the word. Could that be what Jesus meant? For sure, this is a trial of spiritual truth. It is a test of real belief in God. Is our nature in tune with His? He is the Creator. We are the creatures. He is God. We are not. They needed to be aligned with God's nature because He is God. John recorded another fascinating conversation that happened quite a bit later. So the Jews gathered around Him and said to Him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Same message, isn't it? If you don't believe, you can't hear. 
But if you place your faith in Jesus, his voice becomes ever clearer. Okay, so how does one do that? You know, how about reading God's Word? The Bible, we know that, at least, is God's voice, right? And how about talking to God? Our prayer life. Do we purposefully, consciously speak with our true Father all the time? And I'd like to be a little bold here and say, if you do those two things, looking to Him every single day, you will know that you are here. You will hear his voice. Those Jews, they couldn't hear God's voice. <sighs> and that's the root of their problem. So now Jesus calls for the one witness that they are sure was on their side. That which defined them as Jews. That which gave them their authority. Jesus turns to the testimony of the Scriptures. The thing that Jews felt separated them from the rest of the world. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. They thought they had eternal life, but they're missing it. If we hold the Bible in our hands, we'll never die. No, no, that's not how it works. We've learned that the scriptures tell us about the one who gives eternal life. Jesus, the Christ. And those scriptures that we trust tell us we need Him. They even tell us why we need Him. So we trust and we come to Him because of those words. Why couldn't they do that? Because they already had an idea in their minds and they made room for no other. They thought having the Scriptures possessing them meant eternal life. So why would they need a Savior? It is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. They had it backwards. They didn't know the purpose of the Scripture. They forgot that the words have meaning. They mean something. It isn't owning a Bible that will get us closer to God. It's reading it and then living by it. Now you like to go past teaching into meddling, you know. <laughs> what scripture did you read yesterday? I always like to talk to men, you know, the, the ones who had families. What scripture did you discuss with your family yesterday? Ouch. Because that basically asks this question. What kind of man are you? Those Jews of ancient days, they were into form rather than function. They loved the form of the Scriptures. They forgot the words have a purpose to draw them close to God. Why do we study Scriptures? It's not, by the way, something for ourselves. I mean, yes, we're benefited by reading, but we don't absorb those words for that purpose. In a sense, it's not even something God does for us. I mean, yes, obviously doing these right things always carries a benefit. But the primary purpose of scriptural study is not to get something from God. That's not what we're trying to do. It is supposed to be the way we learn about God and His works so that we can understand this God who deserves our worship. They didn't get it, of course. 
So now Jesus calls a recess in the trial to talk about the central issue, real glory and who gets it. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you'll receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Now, well, first, why didn't Jesus care about glory from people? Okay, he's already the glorious son. <laughs> their focus was their own glory. Well, we have two problems. First, true glory only comes from God to those who believe. And, Jesus makes it clear, no one whose primary focus is their own glory can believe. That's a serious problem. Okay. They can't tell the difference between the real and the artificial, real glory and the very temporary fake. They were busy looking for fame, the applause of men, which is idolatry, worshiping something other than God. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What did Jesus say? How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Is not this the question everyone needs to face? Are you more interested in yourself and what other people say about you than in God and what he says? Are you more interested in the creature rather than the creator? But first Jesus said, I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Love? Why not you do not have the glory of God in you? Wasn't that what he was talking about? <laughs> Where did the love come from? Before we can receive glory from God, we have to experience his love. He has to give us that love. Let's go back to the trial. They heard all the witnesses. They figured out that they are the ones on trial. Well, or at least that Jesus says they are. But they don't know who filed the complaint. We're on trial, Jesus. Who's the accuser? They still don't believe Jesus, so he shows them a truth that's designed to shock them. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Jesus didn't need to accuse them. The very thing they thought would protect them, the words of Moses, and by extension the rest of Scripture, was the very thing that showed them to be guilty. They thought they had their system down. We're okay. I'm okay, you're okay. <laughs> but their eyes were tightly shut to the truth. And they were very wrong. They were in the system that should have led them to belief in Christ, but they refused it and could not hear his voice. We have to ask, are there people today who are in the system, in the church, who don't hear his voice? 
maybe we need to be posing some very specific questions. Do you get excited when you hear about the works of Jesus? Not just those ancient works, but the things the church is doing now. The church around the world, the church universal. Are you excited about that? What about the church of living hope? Are you excited about that? Do you get excited about the works of Jesus? His great healing miracles, His resurrection, His work in the hearts of people today, in Syria, as we were talking, in China, where the church is growing at a phenomenal rate, in India, it's growing unbelievably by leaps and bounds in the whole southern hemisphere, and of course, in Westport. Are we excited? Well, we're supposed to be asking them. <laughs> Can you hear the Father's voice? when you read your Bible, when you pray, when you talk with your brothers and sisters in Christ, can you hear the voice of God? When you read the Scriptures, do they ring true to you? Do they shout with joy for your future? Are you more than just in the system? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Does your heart beat with Jesus' heart? Have you completely committed your life to Him? Or are you real sure you're okay? Do you know all you need to know? Open your eyes to the truth. And then you'll hear His voice. You'll see Him. I'll be with you.